Thank you for joining us for our fifth podcast in our ASC Topic 842 Lisa series. I hope you were able to listen in on the first four podcasts discussing what is a lease and determining if a contract contains a lease, general lease concepts in the guidance, and lessee and lessor accounting. If not, I encourage you to do so. My name is Don Patterson, and I'm a CPA and an audit senior manager in both the commercial and not-for-profit groups here at Barry Dunn. Today, we will be discussing presentation and disclosure requirements. We will begin with a discussion on the presentation on the statement of financial position. For lessees, FASB AC Topic 842 requires that both finance lease and operating lease right of use assets and liabilities be presented separately. The entity has the option of either calling out these assets and liabilities separately in the statement of financial position or disclosing within the notes which line items in the statement of financial position include these assets and liabilities. An entity is prohibited from presenting finance lease and operating lease assets and liabilities within the same line items. In other words, the entity must ensure that there is a distinction between finance leases and operating leases. FASB provided additional commentary in Accounting Standards Update number 2016-02 about the importance of the distinction between finance leases and operating leases both from a right-of-use asset and lease liability perspective. The lessor accounting presentation requirements have remained substantially the same in FASB ASC Topic 842 as they were in FASB ASC Topic 840. Specifically, for the statement of financial position, a lessor is required to present lease assets for sales type leases and direct financing leases separately from other assets, subject to the same current versus non-current classification. Additionally, the lessor should present a single net investment in both sales type and direct financing leases instead of separately presenting the respective components. For example, lease receivable, unguaranteed residual assets, and so on. Next, we will discuss the presentation on the Statement of Comprehensive Income. For a lessee, under FASB ASC Topic 842, operating leases should be included in income from continuing operations as a single lease cost. This is consistent with the guidance in FASB ASC Topic 840. In contrast, though, an entity should present the components of a finance lease, the amortization of the right-of-use asset, and interest on the lease liability, in a manner consistent with how the entity presents depreciation and amortization of similar assets and other interest expense. This type of presentation on the statement of comprehensive income is directly linked to FASB's rationale for the lessee accounting model. A lessor has the option of presenting lease income for all three different types of leases separately or disclosing in the notes which line items in the statement includes lease income. The guidance in FASB ASC Topic 842 is that a lessor should present profit or loss from leases in a manner that best reflects the lessor's business model. Business models vary among lessors with sales type and direct financing leases. For example, many financial institution lessors use leasing solely as a means of providing financing to lessees. Other lessors, like manufacturer or dealer lessors, use leasing as an alternative means of realizing value from assets that they would otherwise sell and also provide financing to lessees. ASC Topic 842 permits a lessor to present profit recognized at the commencement date either gross or net to reflect its business models. That would enable a lessor to present the effects of leases 
in a way that is consistent with how the lessor generates its income. Now we will discuss the presentation and the statement of cash flows. For a lessee, the operating section includes payments for leases and variable and short-term lease payments not included in the lease liability. The investing section includes payments to bring another asset to the condition and location necessary for its intended use. And the financing section includes repayments of the principal portion of the lease liability for financing leases. Although the presentation of cash outflows for a lessee makes a distinction between several different transactions, the presentation requirements for cash inflows for a lessor is very simple. Whether it is a sales type lease, a direct financing lease, or an operating lease, all cash receipts from a lease should be classified as operating activities. This single presentation format for the statement of cash flows for a lessor results from the fact that leasing is generally part of the lessor's revenue generating activities. Now that we have discussed the presentation and the basic financial statements, we will switch our attention to the footnote disclosures. Both lessees and lessors are required to present both qualitative and quantitative information about their leases, the significant judgments made, as well as the amounts recognized in the financial statements related to those leases. In addition, both lessees and lessors should consider the level of detail necessary to satisfy disclosure objectives and appropriately aggregate and disaggregate disclosures in order to ensure the information is useful to the financial statement users. Required disclosures that are applicable to both lessees and lessors include the following. One, information about the nature of the entity's leases to include a general description of those leases, the basis and terms and conditions on which variable lease payments are determined, and the existence and terms and conditions of options to extend or terminate the lease. Two, for information about significant assumptions and judgments to include the determination of whether a contract contains a lease and the allocation of consideration in a contract between lease and non-lease components. And three, any lease transactions between related parties. In addition to the qualitative disclosures applicable to both lessees and lessors, the following qualitative disclosures specific to lessees, if applicable, are also required. One, narrative disclosures about the options recognized and not recognized as part of its right of use asset and lease liabilities. Two, existence of any residual value guarantees along with their related terms and conditions. Three, restrictions or covenants imposed by leases. Four, significant leases that have not yet commenced to include any construction or design involvement. Five, determination of the discount rate. And six, election of the practical expedient for not separating lease components from non-lease components. In addition to the qualitative disclosures discussed previously, FASB ASC Topic 842 requires lessees to present the following quantitative disclosures, if applicable. One, finance lease cost, segregated between amortization of the right of use assets and interest on the lease liabilities. Two, operating lease cost. Three, short-term lease cost, excluding expenses related to leases with a lease term of one month or less. Four, variable lease cost. Five, sublease income disclosed on a gross basis separate from finance or operating lease expense. Six, net gain or loss recognized on sale and leaseback transactions. Seven, the following amounts segregated between each type of lease. Cash paid for amounts included in the measurement of lease liabilities. 
supplemental non-cash information on lease liabilities arising from obtaining right-of-use assets and weighted average remaining lease term and discount rate. And eight, maturity analysis separately for both financing and operating leases. In addition to the qualitative disclosures that are applicable to both lessees and lessors, the following qualitative disclosures specific to lessors, if applicable, are required. One, options for a lessee to purchase the lease asset, including terms and conditions. Two, determination of the amount the entity expects to derive from the lease asset following the end of the lease term. Three, information about how it manages its risks associated with the residual value of its lease assets, including the following. Risk management strategy, carrying amount of the residual assets covered by residual value guarantees and other means by which it reduces its residual asset risk. Four, for sales type and direct financing leases only, significant changes in the balance of its unguaranteed residual assets and deferred selling profit on direct financing lease and maturity analysis of its lease receivables. And five, for operating leases only, maturity analysis of its lease payments. Although the basic qualitative disclosure requirements for lessors are substantially similar to those required by lessees, one additional point is worth mentioning with respect to residual asset risk. A primary concern of users on the disclosure requirements in previous GAAP is the lack of transparency about how the lessor manages its exposure to residual value risk. Although users generally said that the lessor accounting model in previous GAAP provided them with the financial information they needed, Many users indicated that additional information was needed about the lessor's residual assets and exposure to residual risk. Uncertainty about the residual value of the underlying asset at the end of the lease is a lessor's primary risk, particularly for a lessor of equipment and vehicles. This is because a decline in the market value of leased equipment and vehicles at a rate greater than the rate the lessor projected would adversely affect the profitability of the lease. Consequently, the board decided that a lessor should disclose how it manages its residual value risk to enable users to assess the uncertainty of cash flows arising from a lessor's leases and from its leased assets. The board considered that producing residual risk disclosures will carry an incremental cost to preparers, but it decided to require the disclosures on the basis that this is an area in which users have consistently requested additional information and told the board that the financial reporting for lessors in previous gap was inadequate for their information needs in many cases. In addition to the qualitative disclosures discussed previously, the following quantitative disclosures, if applicable, are also required to be presented by lessor. One, lease income recognized in each annual and interim period in a tabular format to include the following. For sales type leases and direct financing leases include profit or loss recognized at the commencement date, and interest income either in aggregate or separately by components of the net investment in the lease, and for operating leases, including lease income related to lease payments, as well as variable lease payments not included in the measurement of the lease receivable, and two, components of its aggregate net investment in sales type and direct financing leases. That concludes our discussion on presentation and disclosure requirements in the new lease standard. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us in our final podcast on transition methods under the new lease guidance.